Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O God, true shepherd of all the faithful, look with kindness on your servant, Pope Benedict XVI, whom you set as head and shepherd of your church. We give you thanks for your grace at work in him, as he has led us by word and example in his teaching, in his prayer, and in his great love. Grant him your strength in frailty, comfort in sorrow, and serenity among the trials of this world, and guide him home to heaven now that he has left us to go to you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, so today I'm going to say the person of the day to pray for is Pope Benedict. Why? Because it is the custom of the church that the nine days following the funeral of a pope are observed as official days of mourning and prayer in Rome and throughout the church. And they're called the the Novem Diales, uh, meaning uh, they may be observed uh, for his uh, ascent to heaven. Notice by doing this, they don't canonize the pope. You know, we, we see a lot of canonizations at funeral masses where the, we, the priest declares the person's in heaven. We don't do that because on the chance they're not in heaven, everybody would stop praying for them. So in the church's wisdom, there's these nine days of praying for the Pope after his funeral. So the, the message is, we don't know if he's in heaven yet, please continue to pray. Also, what many churches do is they put a picture of the Pope in the sanctuary surrounded by black fabric or bunting uh, to, to let us to let the church know that we are in mourning for this beloved man. So send up a prayer for Pope Benedict today. That would be a very good thing to do. All right. So if you're not celebrating the Epiphany today, as in our diocese we are not, we celebrate it on Sunday, um, there is a, a memorial today of a saint by the name of, of a Blessed Andre Bessette. And blessed, we call him blessed because that's the name he's had for decades and decades, even though he was canonized a saint by none other than Pope Benedict XVI in 2010. And Pope Benedict had to say about this man, St. Andre, quote, he lived the beatitude of the pure of heart, end quote, <coughs> Pope Benedict XVI on Blessed Andre Bessette. So, who was this man? Well, he's a very interesting character because he had an immense devotion to St. Joseph. If you've read or prayed through uh, uh, the, the Consecration to St. Joseph by Father Don Calloway, you would know about uh, Andre Bessette because he's a prominent figure in uh, that book about St. Joseph because he had such a great devotion to him. So... Uh, Blessed Andre Bissette uh, was born with many health problems, and uh, he was the eighth of 12 children to a French-Canadian couple that lived near Montreal, but um, both his parents died 
when he was just 12 years old, and so he was adopted by another family and turned into a farmhand for that family. Now, following this, he uh, also tried to get jobs as a shoemaker, a baker, a blacksmith, and at all these he failed because he had such poor health. Um, And at one point he actually came to America during the Civil War and worked as a factory worker. But all these didn't pan out, and so... At the age of 25, he applied for entrance into the Congregation of the Holy Cross up in Canada. And he did a year's novitiate, uh, but at the end of the year, the congregation said, thanks, but no thanks, you're too sick to become a brother. And so he was not admitted. However, there was a bishop who uh, he found favor with by the name of Bishop Bourget, and that bishop wrote to the congregation and uh, said to them that uh, he's recommending they do receive him. And he wrote in his letter, quote, I am sending you a saint, end quote. So this bishop had very high regard for Andre, um, whose birth name was Alfred, but the, he, they called him Andre. All right. Uh, so he couldn't hold down a job for very long. He had chronic stomach pains. So what they did with him is, they uh, gave him the job of being the doorman. Yes, he was the doorman. So he would sit by the door, and if somebody came to the monastery, he would open the door and greet them. Not a very taxing job. Uh, And some days there would be no visitors at all, so he would have really nothing to do. But there was a little chapel next to his post, and he would spend much of his night, and um, often during the day too, praying, to St. Joseph, in addition to Jesus and Mary, but he had a particular devotion to Joseph, and he had a little statue in there, and uh, he would spend day and night uh, inter- asking for Joseph's intercession for him, for the monastery, for uh, all the people that were recommended to him. Now, what kind of people were these? Well, when he would hear that somebody was sick or ill, he would go visit the, the person, and he would pray with them. He would also bring a cheery disposition that he always had, trying to uh, spark a little uh, twinkle in their eye. And then he would uh, rub some of the St. Joseph oil taken from one of the lamps that burned in that chapel before the statue of St. Joseph. And he would uh, just uh, mark the person with the oil. So he wasn't doing the anointing of the sick. He wasn't a priest but he would anoint them with this St. Joseph oil. And more often than not, the person would recover very quickly, even those who were on the doorsteps of death. So word of these healing powers began to spread far and wide, and uh, the trickle of sick people coming to his door became a flood of sick people coming to the monastery. Now, just because... Uh, religious priests and brothers are religious priests and brothers doesn't mean that they don't have uh, flaws. And this particular group that lived there at the time took much offense to all these sick people coming to their doorstep uh, because they didn't want to get sick. And so they pushed uh, Andre out of the monastery. He had to receive the sick people away from the monastery so as to not bring any diseases to the monastery. Well, this went on for years, and uh, 
he had hundreds of thousands of people coming. In fact, so many people came that Canada had to build a train station post near the monastery to receive all these people that were making these pilgrimages to see Brother Andre. And uh, many, many, many crutches and canes and braces started to pile up uh, both at the station and at the outpost uh, outside of the monastery from all the healings that were occurring. And so at some point, uh, Blessed Andre approached uh, the Archbishop of Montreal, and he requested permission to build a chapel to St. Joseph on the mountain that was near um, Notre Dame College, which is where he was keeping his post as the doorkeeper, uh, the porter, you could say. Well, the Archbishop was uh, reasonably fair and said, I would give you complete permission so long as you raise all the money, that uh, no money would be required from the diocese. So what money did he have? Well, he has a vow of poverty, so he didn't have anything really. He had a bunch of nickels he collected as donations for uh, St. Joseph from haircuts that he gave the boys at the uh, Notre Dame College. And uh, he kept these nickels in a small dish uh, near the statue of St. Joseph with a little sign that said, Donations for St. Joseph. Now, he collected this change for years and he only had about $200 in change uh, so how could you start a chapel with so little funding well he took his $200 and he built what he could so he had a small wood shelter that was about 15 feet by 18 feet and uh, it had four walls but no roof so uh Eventually, the archbishop met with him again, and the archbishop asked him, he was wondering if this was something that was of, of heaven, uh, heaven requesting. So he said to uh, Andre, uh, are you having visions of St. Joseph telling you to build a church for him? And Andre very honestly re replied to the archbishop, uh, I have only my great devotion to St. Joseph to guide me. So he wasn't having any supernatural visions. So the archbishop gave him permission to keep building as long as he uh, didn't uh, require any money from the, the diocese. Isn't, isn't it funny how um, people work? But there's actually a lot of providence to the way this worked out because had the diocese funded him, then you wouldn't see the providence of God kicking into overdrive because... Uh, what happened next was he placed a statue in the center of the four walls uh, with uh, fully exposed to the sky and said uh, to St. Joseph, if you want a roof, send the money and we'll build you a roof. Well, of course, the money started coming in. Uh, and then more and more healing started happening and this drew more and more people. And so the more people that came, the more people he would direct to go pray at the chapel and they would leave donations. So uh, you could see God's hand in all of this, St. Joseph's as well. Uh, and, you know, St. Joseph, patron of work and workers uh, and homes. And so this went on and on and on. And uh, there were times when there seemed to be no money coming in, but he never lost either his faith or his devotion to Joseph. 
And eventually that little chapel was completed. And then he had the idea, I need to build a basilica to St. Joseph. So uh, when he was 90 years old, he told his co-workers to place a statue of St. Joseph in uh, the unfinished basilica. And uh, he said Joseph would provide the rest of the money. And of course, the money did come in. But he died uh, January 6th of that year. And he, did, he never got to see the basilica completed. Now, if you were to go today, it is a remarkable, um, magnificent building. I think it's the largest uh, church dedicated to Joseph in the world. And it's visually stunning. Uh, and imagine all that was done from a little porter who couldn't keep a job and almost didn't get accepted into the religious order. But that's that's how God works. You know, he lifts up the lowly. He lifts up the lowly. Now, as I mentioned, he was... Uh, uh, canonized in 2010 on October 17th by Pope Benedict XVI. Uh, and uh, his legacy has been cemented in the church. So what a wonderful story and a great inspiration for all of us. You know, when when God places uh, something on your heart, uh, take it seriously. Take it seriously. And very simply, you just say to the Lord or the saint that you're asking for their intercession, you know, Lord, I can't do this alone. I need you. And won't you please uh, complete the good work you have begun here and bring this um, inspiration to fulfillment and then watch him do it. Because if it's from him, he will do it. Uh, and that should be a lesson for all of us. That um, it doesn't matter what your limitations are. In fact, the more you're limited, the greater God's glory will shine because everybody would know, certainly you couldn't have done this. Certainly, Father Dan couldn't have done this. It has to be the work of God. Uh, and that not that wonderful? Because then it gives all the glory to God. And that's uh, a good thing for ourselves, too. It's easy. When people do, there would be many people who would have built this basilica, this basilica to St. Joseph who would have been so inflamed with pride over this great construction. Um, but Andre was not one of them. He always gave the credit to St. Joseph and further credit to uh, God the Father in heaven that, you know, through all good things come. So um, for us today, too, you know, sometimes we we get bogged down in the mire of the news that's pumped out every day from these uh, news outlets that it's the most dreary news ever. There's never a good story, hardly at all. I can't remember the last time they had a good news story in the, in the news. They would have you think there is no good news in the world whatsoever. But that simply is not true. Uh, there's plenty of wonderful things happening all the time, but we, we rarely get uh, told about them. That's the problem. Uh, recently, I, I read something about statistics uh, and uh, it was it was a sort of like a uh, a quiz about what people believe to be true about um, all sorts of things. 
uh, like what percentage of Americans are homosexual, what percentage of Americans are transgender, what percentage of Americans are black, what percentage of Americans are Latino. Um, and it was interesting because the when the survey was done, the average person vastly overshot the true statistic. And um, what the, the message of the article was saying was that the media would have us believe that America is uh, filled with millionaires and, uh, for, you know, 40% of them are uh, people in America are, are black and 30% are Latino and uh, 40% of them are gay and all this. When in reality, it's a very low number and it has nothing to do with racism. This is merely the fact of what the the fabric of our nation is. I think 3% of all people acknowledge they're gay and 1% or lower that they're transgender. But that's not what we see when we turn on the TV. Uh, Hollywood has flooded all of their programming with gay characters and now transgender people. And uh, if that's where you're getting your uh, formation about life in America, then you would believe this must be a much bigger trend than I thought. But it really isn't. So... Back to my whole point. We need we need to hear the good news. the The original good news is of Jesus Christ, and his um, his life and story and message and uh, dramatic death and resurrection for us. But there are other stories out there that are also very very good news. You know, it's interesting if you were watching. Oh, earlier uh, in the week. My parents were still here because uh, my, my dad was watching football. And that incident with that young man, the 24-year-old, uh, that uh, died basically on the football field. He st- his heart stopped. Um, he, uh, when that was happening, it was a very unusual reaction, you know, because generally you see people get beat up on the football field and knocked out. Uh, all the time, really. Um, but we never see reactions like what happened. And I guess they could tell when you're doing CPR, people know this person's heart has stopped. So the football players were visibly shaken, and many of them were crying even, which you really never see that either. You never see the football players crying. Uh, but that's what was happening. Now, interestingly, um, within a few moments... I saw the teams, the entire teams, get on their knees in a circle and begin to pray. You know, they took a knee this time for the right reason in, in, in petitioning God for help. Uh, and that was an amazing thing to see. And then there was even an ESPN uh, newscaster who said, I, I don't think, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. But I feel like I need to pray. And he did pray. Uh, uh, But it's funny that he phrased it that way. He said, I'm not sure if this is the right thing to do. He was afraid that he would get a backlash for bringing God into it. But of course, we're supposed to bring God into everything. We know this. You and I know this. But the world doesn't know this anymore. And so uh, we need to start telling people it's the, the... Separation of church and state has nothing to do with our ability to pray. In fact, there's an amendment that says we are free to pray when and how we wish, and there's a freedom of speech as well. No one can tell us we can't pray. So 
um, when that young man, Damar Hamlin, when he went into cardiac arrest, um, I believe the analyst's name was Dan uh, Orlovsky. Uh, he was, he, you could see he was nervous about praying on the air, but he said, you know what? It's on my heart that I want to pray for this guy right now. <laughs> and so he did. So who knows? Maybe it was his prayer joined with others that uh, spared that man from uh, his life ending at so young an age. You see, but we shouldn't be afraid. Uh, we shouldn't be afraid to pray, uh, particularly in public. Now, interestingly, that young man, uh, Hamlin, he went to a Catholic high school in Pittsburgh, so he would have been exposed to prayer during his education. Um, very fascinating, the whole thing. And I, I hear that he's doing very well, that he's almost back to perfect health. So we continue to lift him up as well and hope that uh, he makes a full recovery. Uh, now, let me tell you something about the history of this. The NFL, uh, the last few years, they've been way too woke for their own good. And, you know, their uh, viewership of the games plummeted because they were so uh, dictating what the world standards were to the uh, population that watches the sports shows. And I would say, by and large, most people that watch football games are, um, generally speaking, you know, pretty salt-of-the-earth kind of people, you know. Uh, and we don't want all the rubbish added on to to the games. But back in uh, 2019, uh, there was a New Orleans Saints linebacker. His name is Demario Davis. He was fined $7,000 by the NFL for violating its personal message rule. What was his crime? He was a devout Christian, and he wore a headband with the phrase, Man of God. $7,000 he was fined. Can you imagine? Uh, so, you know, the, the, the league seems to think we, we can't say anything that gives any kind of reference to God. I, I, and who knows? Maybe if they didn't have this rule, people would be putting all sorts of strange uh, patches and uh, slogans all over their uniform. And that would create a bit of a ruckus to the sport. But anyway, um, they haven't always been so open to prayer, public prayer, or the mention of God on NFL airing games. So there's that. Anyway, tomorrow, I think, uh, no, tomorrow is Saturday. Uh, Monday, I don't know what my mother's going to talk about. Maybe Tuesday. I got an email from a, general, a young man named Luke. And Luke is a listener. So if you're listening right now, Luke, I don't want to give your last name out for uh, privacy reasons. But uh, he said to me that he uh, stumbled upon a devotion called Our Lady of America. And he found it very interesting, and he wanted to hear my thoughts on it as well. And so uh, one of these days next week, Luke, I'm going to talk about this um, alleged apparition, Our Lady of America, and uh, you'll all hear about her too. So that's about it for today. What else can I bring you? Uh, the Epiphany will be celebrated, if you're not celebrating today, this weekend. Maybe I think we're going to talk about that money. That's what my mother wants to talk about money, the Epiphany. 
what does epiphany mean? Epiphany is sort of a revelation that is something is made known to people, uh, in this case through the through the hand of God. And so, have a blessed epiphany. Uh, may the Lord um, bless you and keep you through this weekend, and hopefully we'll all be back together on Monday. And let me give you my priestly blessing. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great weekend. This is Father Dan, signing out.